You're listening to audio from The House, located in Kelowna, B.C. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit us at thehouseonline.ca. Current series is based on the story of the sick woman who is, um, receives her healing when she reaches out and she touches Jesus. And uh, in the scripture, we're, we're, we're told that lots of people touch Jesus that day, but she's the only one that receives a miracle. And so Jesus says it's because she has deliberate faith. It's because of her deliberate faith that Jesus is able to kind of show up in her life and, uh, and accomplish some things. And um, we've been asking this question, what does it look like to live with deliberate faith? And I appreciated Pastor Oliver's message a few weeks ago when he spoke on the value of deliberately creating space in our life for God to speak to us. This idea that we live in a busy, noisy culture and with all this noise and all these, it's hard sometimes to hear the whispers of God's spirit. And so to deliberately create some space in our life so God can speak to us, so we can be attuned to the whispers of the spirit of God over our lives. And my talk today continues on that theme. And it comes from this one key thought that, that busyness limits our ability to develop deliberate faith. And perhaps another way to say it is uh, deliberate faith best grows out of a simplified life. Hebrews 12, 1, 2 reads, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And so the picture we have, the metaphor we have for Scripture is that you and I, all of us, are in a race. Life is a race. We are running this race. And there's, there's a goal. There's a prize. It's to become like Jesus. It's to fulfill His call, find His purpose, live that out, and, um, and kind of, you know, join in with the kingdom of God and make a difference in this world. That's, that's the race that we're in. And we're told in the scripture that we need to take off the hindrances, to strip off, to tear off, to, to remove the things that weigh us down, slow us down, kind of stop us up from running this race. And each of us can run the race of life better when we reduce the distractions and the hindrances that slow us down. Exactly a week ago, today, while all of you were here in church, I was in L.A., I was in downtown L.A., in Koreatown, eating an amazing meal of Korean barbecue with uh, Wagyu beef. It was outstanding. And um, my oldest daughter, Kaden, is in grade 12 this year. And I wanted to do a, a quick trip with her before she graduates and uh, moves out of the house. And, you know, we're hoping that at least one day she's going to move out of the house. And, you know, uh, teenagers these days, we're not sure how that goes. But, but you know, it's, they're, they're only young for, for so long. And I wanted to make sure that we had a memory-making trip together while she was still a bit of a kid. And, um, and so we, we stayed by the ocean in Venice Beach, and over four nights, we just we hit all the cool spots in L.A. It was awesome. Um, my intent was to make the trip extra special, and in order to create the memories, just, you know, uh, really make the, the trip amazing. And so I rented us a 5.0 Mustang GT convertible. And uh, that was awesome. That was a, that was a good decision. Uh, we landed on a perfect California day, clear blue sky, lots of sunshine. And um, we, we put the top down and we, we were pulled out of the budget lot, headed over for uh, the, the, the I-405 by LAX, uh, ready to see what that 
kind of that, that big V8 would do in that little car. And uh, I was excited to, you know, kind of hit the open roads and, and cruise. And we merged onto the I-405 and we stopped. Six lanes across, as far as you could see that way cars, as far as you could see that way cars in both directions just stopped. And we inched forward and stopped. And then we inched forward and we stopped. And the GPS told us that our hotel was 4.5, or sorry, 5.4 miles away. 5.4 miles away down into Venice Beach. And um, it's about the distance from the house to Orchard Park Mall. And it took us over an hour to get that far uh, in our Mustang convertible. The, the, the experience was far from what we imagined it would be. We've been talking about the Mustang and how cool it would be um, for weeks. We had this picture in our mind, ripping around L.A. in the sunshine, looking the part, looking cool. And, and there we were, GPS locked and loaded, red hot chili peppers queued up on the playlist, top down, sunglasses on, ready to ride like the wind into the L.A. sunshine, and um, all 460 horsepower ready to go at the paddle shifters. Like paddle shifters. How cool is that? Mm. And an inch at a time. There was such a giant disconnect between what we imagined it would be to what we were living in that moment. The two were not the same. They were totally, totally different. And it was disappointing and it was discouraging and uh, despite our best intentions, the traffic dictated the experience we were going to have that day. And I wonder if sometimes our spiritual life is similar to that, that we have a romanticized picture in our mind of what we want things to be like in our faith with Jesus, and what we actually experience is far from it. Author Rick Warren shares on his leadership blog that after years of pastoring and years of leading people, that the number one reason there's a disconnect in people's spiritual life from what they want it to be to what they experience, the number one reason there's a disconnect from them living out their God-given purpose is because of busyness. He said it's not sin or addiction that stops us from experiencing God at that level. It's not lack of gifts or good intentions or our abilities. It's not those things that limit us. He shares the most common reason people become discouraged and have a disconnect in their spiritual lives and that they're not where they want to be is because they're just too busy. They're too busy to be quiet with God. They're too busy to hear the voice of Jesus in their life. They're too busy to get involved in their communities. They're too busy to, busy to get involved in their church lives, in their, in their church community. They're too busy to get involved with the lives of other people and love like Jesus would in the lives of their friends and people around them. There are so many other things going on in their lives that there's no room for God. And Warren encourages pastors to call their people as a pastor, one of the prophetic calls to people today is to simplify their lives, simplify your life so that you 
can know and live out God's purposes for you. And I can't help but think he may be on to something. Could it be that one of the main limiting factors to having a connected, fulfilled spiritual life is that we're just too busy? Well-respected pastor and author John Ortberg shares a, a conversation, a well, uh, kind of a, 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 it's a, it's an often quoted conversation and sentence that he had with his mentor in, uh, in ministry, Dallas Willard. So for over 40 years, Dallas Willard was a leading professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California, one of the leading thinkers when it comes to spiritual formation in our culture today. Wrote many, many books, courses, well, well-versed, well-educated, very critical thinker in this area. And this is Ortberg's mentor, and he asks Willard, he says, how, how can I become a better spiritual leader? To which Willard replied his famous sentence, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And I've heard that phrase many times. And every time I think it is so beautiful and simple and genius, and yet it's so convicting because I'm hurried all the time. It's hard not to be in a hurry. In his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People, Ortberg writes this. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Hurry can keep us from living well. Again and again, as we pursue spiritual life, we must do battle with hurry. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And Ortberg wrote those words in 2005, and I think they're just so relevant to us today. John P. Robinson is a sociologist from the University of Maryland, and he's considered the leading authority in studies on time and efficiency, especially in regards to the workplace and how people uh, set things up in, in labor movements. And um, as, a, as a kind of the father figure in the studies of time, uh, he's discovered this, that the average North American has 30 hours of non-essential leisure time per week. Now, maybe you are surprised to hear that. The emphasis is on the non-essential kind of the leisure time. Um, there's more time, we have more time than ever before in our history, more leisure time, more free time, 30 hours a week for the average North American. And his studies tell us that our problem is not actually a shortage of time. We don't suffer from shortages of time. Rather, we suffer from knowing how to use well the time that we have, how to take advantage and leverage and, 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 and use it well. We're filling our time with more things than we ever have before. Sixty years ago, the North American Study on Happiness revealed that the average person the average North American person 60 years ago identified 72 wants 
and considered 18 of them essential for our happiness. 50 years later, 10 years ago, the same study revealed that the average person now has 496 wants and considers 92 of them essential to our happiness. Our lives are overrun and complicated, and there is too much going on, and we are trying to fit too many things in, things that 50 years ago didn't even exist, things that perhaps even 10 years ago didn't exist. I wouldn't doubt that if this same survey was taken now, they would find the results are even amplified that much more than they were just 10 years ago. With the amount of things and technology and smartphones and all the things that are happening in our lives, the footprint that those things take up has grown There are more distractions competing for our attention than at any other time in history. And we would all benefit from reducing the distractions that divide our time and our focus. And we'd all benefit from simplifying our lives. Now, this is easier said than done. And I realize that some of you lead very complicated lives. You are high-capacity individuals. You have a lot of output. You have a lot of responsibility. There are a lot of things coming at you. And there are many great leaders, business owners, high achievers in our mix and being pulled so many different ways. We would all benefit from simplifying our lives because what happens is when we when we take the time that we have available and we jam it full of everything else and all this other stuff, inevitably what we do is we cheat on our spiritual connection to Jesus. We shortchange and we cheat our faith and our investment in the kingdom of God. It gets squeezed out. It seems to be that the standard mode is it's one of the first things that goes lower on the priority list it's like we don't, we're not as engaged in our spiritual commitments, our spiritual disciplines, the spiritual life of our community and our friends and our church, and all those things begin to kind of get pushed down because there's too many other things trying to get in. We're fitting too many things into our lives. And um, I'm very happy to share with you today, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you came here because I've discovered the secret for how to live a simple life. I've discovered the secret on how you can simplify your life. You are in the right place. Are you ready for it? Taking notes, here it is. No one else can do it for you. Nobody else can simplify your life but you. It is something that we have to embrace and take on the responsibility for. It requires us to make deliberate choices. Life-changing deliberate faith grows out of making deliberate choices. As the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, we need to figure out what is weighing us and hindering us and slowing us down and take it off so that we can run the race. we got to break it off. We have to remove it so we can run the race freely. Only you can make those choices over your life. Part of why I'm sharing this with you is I've been facing this tension in my life. And um, I have, uh, I'm more driven in my nature than I like to admit. Uh, 
I have high expectations of myself and others around me. Four of my top five strengths are in the performance and achieving theme. Uh, I'm, I'm driven, I'm focused, I want things to get done, and um, it's very, very easy to take too many things on. It's very easy with my personality and gift mix to become out of balance. And you know what it's like when you, you have responsibilities and deadlines and goals and you put your head down and your hand to the plow and away you go and you just go through. And you don't stop and come up for air. Well, I began to feel the Lord speak to me about this during my holiday time in July. I realized I, I hadn't been, um, I'd been so busy in the months leading up to it, I, I hadn't even realized it until I could stop and come up for air. It wasn't until I had uh, no deadlines staring me in the face that I realized I'd become so focused on work and so focused on things and tasks and getting things done that I hadn't had time for people and for important things and, and for others in my life. And, and you know what it's like? You, you become a bit of an idiot because you can become so focused on trying to get things done, you forget about people. You forget about feelings and, and caring for others around you. And once I hit my holiday time and I stopped and I disengaged and I could almost get a sense, and I was like, man, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to... I don't want to continue like that. I don't want to, I don't, that's not good. And it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. And I haven't got it all figured out, but I want to share some things with you because this is part of my journey. It's part of where I'm going. It's part of the things that I'm learning to do and steps to just make some inroads into trying to simplify my life, realizing that nobody else is going to do it for me. There is nobody else that can own that responsibility except me. So this is what I did. I removed all notifications from my phone. My phone, as much as I don't want to admit it, was controlling my life. It was going off all day long. And one of the ways that I tried to simplify my life and gain some new space was I took off all of the notifications and all of the alerts for everything on my phone. And the only time I know that you've sent me a message or emailed me or hit me on, pinged me or done something on one of the, is when it, it, I open up my phone and I see it. And it created a bit of breathing room. And I have greatly reduced my screen time. Another is I reduced my level of social media engagement. I deleted Twitter from my phone entirely. I took the app off entirely. The only time I, I look at Twitter now is when I'm on my computer. I used to stand in line at Save-On, pull out my phone, and look at Twitter to find out what's going on, to find out what things are being talked about that were so important that I had to do it right there in that moment. And it's not healthy. It feeds these addictive kind of patterns and these things. And so I, I, I just got rid of these apps on my phone. I reduced my level of Instagram activity greatly. 
Now, when I was in California last week, I posted on Instagram because I was living such a cool life in California. I had to share it with you all. And, um, you know, my, my convertible and my, my food and restaurants and all the fun things we did. And that was worth sharing. And so I was a little bit more active a week ago. But really, between the summer and now, I've really reduced this imprint and this, 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 this role of, of this, this social media stuff in my life. Um, I logged off Facebook entirely in mid-July. And uh, I've only been on it once since then. It was just this past week. I logged on again just to make a post that um, I have kind of been cut back on, my, on, on this platform. I won't really be that active on it. It's not you, it's me. I just want to create some space and some margin and uh, set some boundaries. And so I, I won't really be that active on this platform anymore. And uh, just to kind of let some people know that um, I may reactivate my Facebook account one day. There's nothing evil or wrong about any social media or those things. But for me, right now, it's in the all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial category. And it just was taking too much of my time and my focus. And it was like, it's like death by a million little piranha bites coming at you all day long. I just needed to push it away. I needed to create some space. And that's one way that I did it. And you know, it's a social media and things, it's a good way to be connected, both personally and professionally. And, um, and I hope you understand that this is, this is not against social media. This is me sharing with you how I took some steps to simplify my life. And you know, we use Facebook and social media as a ministry tool at the church, it's very effective for us. We talked about it this morning already in our announcements. Follow us, get, you know, be a part of us, stay informed, stay updated. And um, when I logged on this past week for the first time in a couple of months, you go to Facebook on my computer, it doesn't just open up. You actually have to enter in my username and, and my password. I'm hoping one day I forget my password or my username and it's just gone forever. But um, it's... I logged on for the first time to let people know that I wasn't going to be active, and there were uh, close to 70 messages. There were 67 message notifications of people that were trying to get a hold of me, um, wanted to talk about stuff, wanted to connect. And I, I struggled for a moment. I stared at all those notifications, thinking, what do I do with this? Because what I wanted to do is go in, log on to each person to make sure they knew that I hadn't ignored them and they were important to me and I see that we've talked since then so you're okay and I see that well, we've emailed and I see that I didn't get back to you and um, there's, uh, there's all these messages and all these notifications and I struggle. I'm like, what do I do? And I had to make the conscious decision for me to say, you know what, I have to stay true to this boundary that I have created. And so I ignored them. I didn't open them and I didn't respond to them. And you know what? It, it was hard. Because I felt, as a leader, I confess to you that as, as a leader, I felt irresponsible. I felt like I was neglecting and, and, and pushing away and not following up. And there's probably really important things that people needed to talk about. And I didn't respond to them. But I had to stick to the commitment. I had to listen to the whispers of the spirit in my heart that said, create some space, create some margin. And so I logged off, and I didn't answer any of those messages. 
It's not easy sometimes to create space and create margin, to make choices to simplify your life. If you simplify your life, it flows out of an internal conversation you are having with the Holy Spirit about your life. And other people are not always privy to that. So you are going to let people down. You are going to disappoint people. They are not going to know everything and all the reasons and why you're creating space and distancing yourself and saying no to some things and pulling back from some things. But I encourage you to listen to the whispers of the Spirit in your life and be true to those things rather than the expectations of others. And so many times, the expectations of others are perceived by us. We think there's more expectations on us than there really is. We have to be willing to take the risk to disappoint some people and maybe um, not meet up to those expectations. Uh, third thing I did is I planned a less busy fall for the church. I'm going to get the team to come. We're going to get ready to close this morning and wrap up our, 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 our time together. And so the worship team's going to come. I just want to share with you that one of the things I did is I, I carried on this theme of saying, you know what, you need to simplify you need to create some space. And I carried that theme on into some things within our church community. Uh, last year, we had so many things going on in our community, it, it was kind of hard to keep up at times. Hard for us to facilitate it all. Hard for us to communicate it all. It's like every week, there's like a new thing and a new group and a new gathering and a new ministry and a new need and a new... And it's like on and on and on and come and come and come and come. And it's just, it just washes over us all. It's just saturation. And um, I got tired of all the announcements and all the things and trying to connect with all the leaders and keeping everybody going in the same direction. And, and, and you know, a lot of it is good. It's good stuff. But it wasn't necessary. And I think many of us have been there and bought the T-shirt when it comes to being busy in church. We realize it doesn't actually mean we're doing anything except maybe being busy and making us feel good about ourselves. And so I really felt that as I mapped out the fall season for our church, I wanted to ensure that we avoided feeling like we were just too busy, and there's too much going on, and nobody knows where or what and how because there's so much. And so we're trying to focus on being better at a few less things, communicate better on a few less things, and create some space in our community, so it doesn't feel like all of us are, are going crazy all year long. Because I didn't want to get into April and May next year and feel the same that I did this last spring and get into my holidays. Because I realize that if that's where I'm going, I'm going to bring others with me, and that's not what we are to be about. And so I'm okay with us being a little bit more simplified in some of the things that we're doing and making some more room for some, some, some space. And um, I've been on a journey to simplify some of these things in my life, and some of it's been easier to achieve than others. I know I have a long way to go. A simplified life doesn't happen on its own. It takes intention. You have to be deliberate to bring simplicity into your life. You have to set some boundaries, and you have to have to make some tough decisions.
I want to read Hebrews 12 over your life again. Would you receive this as the whisper of the Spirit over your heart? Let us strip off every weight that allows us, it slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And I wonder this morning if we could just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to whisper over our heart, is there something in our life we need to simplify? Is there something in our life we need to say no to? Is there something in our life we need to be realigned to? Have we been cheating on our spiritual life at the cost of other things, the expense of other things? Like, have we made other things more important than our relationship and our faithfulness and our spiritual connection to Jesus? Are we pulled in so many different areas and directions and fitting so many things in? And I realize that some of us are in a difficult stretch. There are seasons. There are young parents with young kids. There are people who have high-capacity jobs that they're just, there's responsibility. What are you supposed to do? And I, I don't know those answers. And I know that some of you can be in an area and a moment in your life where it's coming at you and you're stretched and you're distracted, and there's pressure. All I would say, all I would say is don't cheat on your spiritual connection to Jesus. In the midst of all of that stuff, find him. Hold on to him. Reach out to him with deliberate faith. Grab a hold of him and don't let go because he will sustain you. His presence, his voice, he will sustain your life. He will help you get through. Don't cheat on your connection to Jesus. And so we're going to take a moment. It's hard for us, it's awkward to do in a large corporate setting to have silence. We're going to have a moment of silence and invite the Holy Spirit to speak into each one of our hearts to hear his voice on what we need to do to simplify Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help each one of us 
to hear your whispers over our heart, over our life. Now, Jesus, we would not cheat on our spiritual connection with you for other things. And though we are pulled and distracted and there are so many things competing for our time and our focus and our attention, Jesus, help us to hold on to you, to make that a priority, to make the changes that we have to make, to be deliberate in our faith with you, to find a way to make some space and some margin to hold on to your cloak, to hold on and not let go. Because Jesus, when we're in the craziness of our life, and we can grab onto you and hold on to you. It's like we have somewhere to go. We have some strength. We have some connection. We're not alone. There's a purpose. There's a point. I pray that you would forgive us for doing things in our own strength. Help us to hear the whispers of your spirit and to know that, Jesus, you love us. You speak goodness and you speak life over us. Some of us are so busy, we don't even know how to stop and be quiet in your presence anymore. Help us to make the choices. Help us to have the courage and the wisdom to realign the things that need to be realigned. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of us this morning. Before we dismiss, we're going to sing together one kind of one song of declaration and response to Jesus. And so uh, why don't you stand and uh, we'll officially dismiss and send you on your way in, in just a moment. Thanks for listening to Audio from the House. For more information or resources, visit us at thehouseonline.ca.